to head on goal, and Jordan Morris has done it. Appealing in vain for offside, the Chicago Fire defenders. Jordan Morris from the doorstep saves the day for the Sounders. the other way. Look who's running hard after defensively. Wayne Rooney, the net is empty. Big collision by the captain. That is unbelievable effort. Rooney putting one up. Bacosta. Hello and welcome to the Stateside Soccer Show. My name is Jordan Wiegand and with me, as always, is Logan Stump. How are you today, Logan? Haven't spoken to you in a a week. I know. It's been a long time. Um, No, I feel... I feel like Jordan. I, I should. I should let you know that that I'm on the way out as well. I think the the title of this episode should just be "On the Way Out," and we can talk about everybody that's leaving because I think it's a it's a big number now. I think we're up to like twelve. Well, if uh, if you are on your way out, then I will uh, breach a contract. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I have Logan signed to a lifetime contract. He's, he he's not allowed to leave. Yep. Um, but yeah, no. So this is uh, Anthony Hudson out. We'll get to that. Chris Klein out. Was there other people I missed? Because you said there's twelve. There's two. I think. I don't know. Did uh, I miss I, anybody? I, I think the seven dwarves left. Uh, Snow White's just completely uh, heartbroken. <laughs> so that's well, not. I, I do want to say actually, the rumor is in the Snow White live action movie next year that the the dwarves are not in it at all. Oh, good. That is so yeah. they are leaving. <laughs> so you were right. That's exciting, right? That's exciting for everybody involved. Yeah, so it's just Snow White. Uh, but yeah, so we have some. Uh, you know who else was out? Bernadeschi was out of the squad at least. <laughs> yeah. This past weekend. That's you know this whole episode was going to be about TFC and more of that stuff. Uh, that that completely has changed with today's news. Today has been uh, on fire with the news. We will talk that whole thing because i i do think my perspective has changed from last week last week on that whole bernadeschi and signe bob bradley stuff uh so i do want to kind of clarify some of that and then yeah we'll dive into anthony hudson and chris klein and a ccl final coming up here the or should i say finals because it's two games two legs so we're going to be diving into all of that stuff here uh now i guess and I feel bad because I do want to talk about Cincy at some point, but we keep having these stories come up now. (laughs) And I feel bad because we were like talking up New England when they were first and we've like barely talked up Cincinnati since they went first. And it's not like a a thing or anything. It's just uh, some of these bigger stories are starting to come out in the middle of the season here as we get close to summer uh, where we'll probably have a lot of transfers to look into. Don't forget, we're going to have like a whole break for for um, leagues cup as well 
which is not going to really feel like a break for us. We'll still be talking Leagues Cup, but I do know some, you know, MLS reporters that may not be watching as closely, uh, or MLS fans even, that may not be watching as closely on, on the Leagues Cup front. Where do we want to start at, Logan, uh, out of these topics? We got Bernadette, we got uh, Anthony Hudson, we got Chris Klein. Where, where do you want to go first? I feel like we should head to L.A. first, just because I think this has been a long time. The one that we've been banging the drum about for so long here. The L.A. Galaxy has parted ways with President Chris Klein. The club announced Tuesday via statement from President and CEO of Anschutz Entertainment Group, Dan Beckerman. Uh, So they announced Galaxy head coach and sporting director Greg Vandy will now lead all soccer operations within the club while reporting directly to Beckerman. Um, Here's Beckerman's quote. As a club, we have not achieved our goals or met the standard that we have established for the LA Galaxy. We believe it is in the best interest of the club to make a change and begin a comprehensive process to seek new leadership that will return the club to the level that our fans and partners expect. We are thankful to Chris for his years of dedication and commitment to tanking the LA Galaxy. Uh, sorry, to the LA Galaxy. That was my own uh, commentary added in there. As both a player and an executive. So I think what it, I don't know how long you give Vanny to report to Beckerman and stuff. I would assume he probably has the rest of the season, but if they don't make any sort of turnaround there. I wouldn't be shocked if whoever they hire as president after gets full reign on who they're going to bring in um, as a manager. Yeah, it will be interesting. I, I think, um, I don't know. I, I just feel like this whole situation, I'm one, it starts poorly with the fans, uh, you know, rising out front. Preseason matches, beginning of the season, um, you look at Greg Fanny, who's going to kind of take on and assume this role as like a football operations manager, kind of like what Bob Bradley does um, wherever he goes. seems like he's always doing sporting director uh, type roles. And I think, you know, it, it, it can help if the coach knows what he's doing and kind of directing that into the right program. But also, I would imagine it's like doing two people's jobs. Like, I, I'd imagine it's got to be tough. So, I don't know. I, I I know Greg Vanny probably uh, is a coach that could do it, but I, I'm assuming that they'll they'll kind of clean up the situation that's happening in LA, try to fix that. But I, I just don't picture Vanny being one the sporting director for long because I think LA will fix those issues just because I think it's such a massive club. I couldn't imagine him doing that by himself. Um, and then two, I think I, I mean honestly, I think that this team's kind of in turmoil still. Like you can fire whoever you want. This team's awful. So <laughs> how long does Greg Vanny want to stay around for that? Like, I, I don't know the answer to that. Maybe this is the last landing spot for Greg, and maybe he wants to rebuild this. It seems like that's why he went there. But it, I feel like – I still feel like anytime you go to L.A., though, Jordan, it's like ah, you expect to win. Like, you expect to turn it around and quickly because of the resources that they have. But they just don't there, – there's no resources ever brought in. LAFC makes this club look like a joke, so – I don't know. I, I still think they're very direction directionless. Yeah. I, I just don't know where you go from here. It's tough, right? It, it's when you look at this, what I see here is, you know, we like, we've got a lot of progress in the sense of Klein is out now. Right. 
But what does that mean for Greg Vanny? And, and I'd actually be more like I'm very curious to know what the role of Chris Klein really was. He was a president. We don't really know. It says that, you know, I remember them saying, I think it was at the beginning of the season when we were talking about LA before the season started, I did some research on like who's making decisions because we weren't really sure what Klein's position was. And it was like Chris Klein and Greg Vanny and somebody else, I forget who it was, was making the decisions as a team. So part of the blame goes on. So they got their scapegoat now, right? Cause these are the people that the, this is the guy, the supporters have wanted out <laughs> the whole time. And if you do look at kind of like how they were once Klein took over and how they are now, he is kind of like the common denominator of what's really tanked the team. And I think, I know some people might say, well, Vanny needs to leave too. And the thing is, we just don't really know what that relationship was like. And I think the only person that probably knows that is Beckerman, who is having Vanny report to him directly now. You know, is that like, okay, maybe Greg was on this whole fire, <laughs> fire uh, Chris Klein thing the whole time. He's like, maybe he's going it over, you know, Klein's head to Beckerman, like, dude the supporters won't shut up about this. He's restricting my job, blah, blah, blah. Or maybe he was a yes man the whole time and, you know, they just got their scapegoat. So I don't really know, like, how much is that fault on Vanny? How much is on fault for, um, you know, for uh, uh, Klein? And how much is that fault for Beckerman? I think a lot of it does come down to AEG and that they're not as invested in this club as they probably should be. And now they felt like they were probably at a point where something had to happen. I mean, did you see some of the exchanges on Twitter that were going on with the LA galaxy fans when people were coming over to them players and Greg Vanny and they're like yelling out stuff to them and it was getting ugly. I mean, they have nine points. They are now seven points adrift of a playoff spot. It's almost double their points. They've got overshadowed now by SKC and Colorado, who are still above them, as LA have continued to go down. So it really felt like, okay, we're rock bottom. We're making no progress. There has to be a time to be able to pull the plug, and I guess now is when they felt like they had to. And a part that stood out to me on that, wording that they said was you know <laughs> we will seek new leadership and return a club to the level that our fans and partners expect i wonder if there was any sort of pressure from outside uh forces outside partners that are like hey you're 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 sucking and that's tanking our relationship with you because you're wearing our name on your shirt or you know like it could be stuff like that too i don't know there's not a lot of information out about it I'm assuming, because this happened like just, I don't know, an hour ago. Um, so I'm assuming we'll get more information as the weeks pass, maybe, on like the whole dust up. Like we, we were talking rumors about TFC last week, and in the past week we've gotten so much more information on that. It wouldn't shock me if we get some more out of this. I guess it depends on how much they really want to throw <laughs> Chris Klein under the bus to get some goodwill from the fans. Yeah, I mean they've got they've got to win the loyalty back of fans that feel 
and and still feel like the product on the field isn't matching what they expect. Um, it's got to be really hard to look down the street and see what's down the street. Um, just because, I, I mean, you just look at the roster, though, Jordan. Like, I, I mean, there are a bunch of 30-year-olds. Uh, at least a lot of their good players are or approaching 30 quickly. Uh, they go out and their biggest signing of the offseason was Memo Rodriguez, who can't even break a starting 11 for most of the MLS squads. Uh, so it, it it is interesting to me just because of the, the kind of players that LAFC have touted over the last couple of years. Um, and Denny Buanga being a player that comes out of nowhere um, and, and is performing like a star, I, I'd say the closest thing that LA has right now to that would be like a Ricky Pouge. Uh, and, and that's really it. I mean, I, if you're looking at a team that they're going to build around, Chicharito is almost 35 years old. So in a couple of days, he turns 35. It wouldn't uh, and shock me if this or next year is Chicharito's final season. I mean, yeah. he's getting up there. He's injured a lot. Right. So I don't know. It, it They've got a lot of work to do. Um, they, there just seems to be a lot of cloudiness. Uh, there's not a lot of... I think uh, real young talent that they can kind of get hyped about uh, because I do think that Ricky Pooch eventually just makes a move back over to Europe anyway, uh, just because I think he's that kind of caliber player. And then you're kind of looking at an, an empty roster where they thought maybe Dejan uh, Jovalich was going to be the answer if Chicharito wasn't getting the starts because he's injured and you know not starting the season, but that, that project didn't go well and he'd always scored pretty well um, coming off the bench. So, and if I'm this team, I'm looking at us in last place and saying, thank goodness there's other teams that suck in the MLS because we would be constantly in the news for just uh, how poorly that this franchise has been run, how uh, directionless, I guess it is, and now starts a three- or four-year project, I think, uh, which sounds crazy because of the resources they have. But I think it's going to start with this finding a replacement and finding a direction, so... Yeah, uh, hopefully, hopefully they make a move like Atlanta has made or that Cincinnati has made. You get somebody that's experienced at this level in MLS to come over and fill a void. You know, Chris Klein literally went from like player to president. That doesn't make any sense. We have Cincy going to grab, um, Chris Albright from Philly that was an assistant GM and then Beyonce, Hey, why don't you test your knowledge here as a GM? And you know, those type of moves you're going out to get a Garth Lagerway esque one. I mean, you can't get him now he's at Atlanta, but maybe that was the move last off season, but they didn't do anything. Right. And they, I feel like they were lucky to get eighth the last few seasons at this point because they are woeful. Right now, maybe we should have known that when their only signing was Memo Rodriguez and he, he couldn't really make it at Houston. And now Houston is all the way up to seventh place and LA Galaxy bringing in a player like him and he's can't even make their team really that much better. Um, it's painful, uh, painful for LA Galaxy fans, I'm sure. I would really love if the LA Galaxy fan listens to this. I don't know if you will, but if they do, Send us your thoughts on does this actually change anything? Is it the actual, is it, you know, the structure of AEG that is holding you back? Or are you optimistic that maybe they can find an up and coming GM or somebody that they can, you know, woo from another team to come over? Because 
I don't know if there's anybody that level that can come in and make that. Maybe they give free reign to Greg Vanny and he's able to turn it around himself. But I don't know. I'm curious. Yeah, how much longer does he put up with this crap too? You know, if he's like, this is sinking my value here, I might have to leave here. Uh, maybe he thinks he can change uh, another team um, that might to give him better resources. Fourteen games is so embarrassing. Like it, yeah. As a club this big, it. I mean, you're not even close to to being, uh, you know, it just competitive at all. I mean, they're going to miss a playoff spot when playoff spots are easy to come by. So, uh, it, I don't know. I don't. I don't think it matters. I, I don't think it really does. And when it comes down to it, this team's just not a good team. Okay, I guess let's talk. I'll take control this time. I'll go ahead and say let's talk Anthony Hudson. So. Uh, some U.S. Men's National Team stuff here. Thursday, May 25th, in a Q&A on USsoccer.com, Crocker, the new, you know, Matt Crocker, the new sporting director, he says that they hope to hire a new coach by the end of summer, and they're going to conduct some interviews in June, and then entering another evaluation process after that. Um. And they said, well, you know what? Anthony Hudson is going to be here through the Gold Cup. Well, that changed today when Anthony Hudson said, am I? No. Uh, He said, no, I'm not going to remain through. I just, I love this headline. Anthony Hudson to remain U.S. men's national team coach through 2023 Gold Cup. Literally less than a week later, uh, Anthony Hudson is out as he decides to leave the U.S. men's national team role and pursue other job opportunities. This is the man who continues to fail upward somehow. Really bad coaching record at Colorado, becomes a U.S. assistant, becomes the U.S. interim, and now has left that to have some sort of coaching role. It does seem like he is taking a head coaching role in the Middle East, according to Keith Costigan, so I'm not sure what that means. If it's club level or national team level not really sure but um i guess we'll see on where he ends next but i mean look this makes sense for anthony hudson if you have a job that you know you're only in for another two months or a job that can give you a little bit more security you're gonna take the job that gives you a little bit more security like like if i was a temp at my work and then somebody offers me a full-time position with benefits somewhere else, then if, or obviously I'm going to take that, then just be a temp. Um, but yeah, so so interesting to see that that was uh, such a that means to tell me that Anthony Hudson came to this decision within the last over the weekend, <laughs> over the weekend because I mean Thursday, like I said, Crocker is literally saying he's going to be here through the Gold Cup. I don't think he would say that if he already knew Anthony was looking elsewhere. So it means it seems to me that this probably happened Friday or later. Yeah, I I think the writing was on the wall for him, right? It would be stupid if uh, you knew that your job was probably going to be gone and and probably cleaned of staff uh, whenever the new head coach takes over, and you stuck you stuck around knowing that. So obviously you're going to go look for a different jobs, and it, it's not like he's um, contractually. Uh, 
I guess, locked into uh, coaching in the Gold Cup. So the fact that they're moving on, not shocking here. Uh, it is exciting to, to know that U.S. men's national team um, is kind of heading in that direction of trying to hire a coach come the end of summer um, because I think, again, it's, it's kind of one of those positions that we've just been longing for. Um, and I think we, we want answers and we want to be able to take this team now and kind of head towards 2026. But this is really, I think, the first kind of um, domino to fall, I guess you would say, in the, the hiring process of the next coach. Because I think you're going to start to see uh, the, the longer that this goes on and the deeper that this gets into other coaches, they're going to be like, you know what, let's just let's really focus our attention on finding that coach. Because I think the longer that this happens, obviously, it's kind of a disaster. So, um, yeah, no, I, I think Anthony, uh, like you said, Jordan, fails up tremendously which is really impressive in this, in this day and age. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know if it's that surprising, I guess. Uh, we talk can about... fail up. What? Can we fail up? MLS, <laughs> yeah. Are you listening? We already have, I guess. Um, <laughs> let, let's talk before we go back to uh, MLS here. There are some friendlies that are going to be scheduled here, October 14th and October 17th. The USA will be playing a couple friendlies, uh, one against Germany in Connecticut on the 14th of October and Ghana in Tennessee uh, in Nashville at on the 17th of October. Um, so just some some interesting friendlies there. If you are interested in trekking out to one of those, I don't know when tickets go on sale, but they're there, I guess. We'll have a manager by then, supposedly. In October, I saw some people getting really upset about this whole Anthony Hudson thing of like, when are they just going to hire a manager? They've already kind of answered that question in the Q&A, so I'm not going to really get that upset about it. You know, Crocker just got hired like less than a month ago at this point. He's got to be able to do some actual interviews and have a I'd rather that happen than just hiring somebody to hire somebody. And the person that's going to be replacing Anthony Hudson is a former Philadelphia Union um, assistant coach, but also a U.S. men's national team assistant coach, B.J. Callahan. Um, so Jim Curtin was kind of talking him up a bit, too. Um, but yeah. And before we get back to MLS again, there's an update on Greg Burhalter. I was going to be mean and say, talk about failing upwards, but I, di- I didn't. <laughs> I didn't because I do think oh, Greg did. did okay. I do but think did. Greg did okay. So I'm, I can't really be failing. Fail sideways. Yeah. Greg Berhalter's next joke, joke next joking joke, job, next yeah. coaching job. <laughs> Freudian slip, I guess. Could be the U in the English uh, championship. According to reports out of Wales, he is being linked to Swansea City. This is from MLSsoccer.com, this article. Um, so this was uh, put out on Friday. Um, his contract expired at the end of 2022. Crocker said he's still a candidate for it, but I would assume, again, if you're Greg and you get presented a Swansea job and you don't know if that U.S. job is going to work out, you're going to have to take that probably before June or July, which is when they're looking to hire. So you'd probably be like, well, I'll take the job that's being offered right now. So that's what I kind of think there. I don't know. Any thoughts on him going to Swansea? I feel like this is a, a terrible idea just because of the way they treated Bob 
Bradley, who I think is a better American coach. So I really like bald guys. That's that's one of my thoughts. Um, bald Americans, but yeah, no, I, I I think with how harsh they are on on Bob, like Greg, I, I don't think is as <laughs> headstrong as Bob can be. So I don't I don't know. I don't think this will go well, <laughs> um, especially because I thought Swansea City was like close to getting back in the Premier League at one point recently. So. I mean, they were sniffing around the the championship and per, the promotion playoffs. I think, uh, so I I don't I don't really know. I don't know I'll why. Double check. I can't remember. I thought the season that they got Areola, I think they had been. Oh, they were in the playoffs, that. right? Yeah. Mm, so they may have fallen. Yeah, really. Swansea like hasn't had a good run with Americans. You think they'd be like, no, no thank you. Yeah. <laughs> with any Americans playing or coaching. yeah. So. Yeah, uh, Swansea 10th. They were three points out of a playoff spot. Well, I, yeah, I don't know if that's enough to make a change, but I guess they are. They finished their season with four wins out of their five, last five, that a draw. They loved the behind-the-back passes. I think that they're, <laughs> yeah. they're really looking forward to that. And the new, the, the, the real fresh looking Nikes on the sideline. Are you a shoe guy, Logan? I'm not. I, Me yeah, neither. I, I'm one of those people that buy a shoe and it, until it falls apart at yeah. the sole, I'll buy new ones. Like mine literally just fell apart yesterday. Sole came off and everything. I've got to buy new ones now. It's really a shame. I buy I, them yeah. like every six months or a year or whatever, however yeah. long they last. But no, I can't tell you. You know what? I'm not actually a big fan of them. You know, when people look at they're like, look at those sweet Jordans. And I'm like, yeah, no, that's not me. Talking either. about me? I, oh no, the shoes. Uh, yeah, and I'm like, <laughs> I, they look all right, I guess. Like sometimes they look good, and then you look at the price tag, you're like, no thanks. I get upset <laughs> when I'm paying sixty dollars for a yeah. tennis shoe. I can't imagine spending as much as they do. But it seems like it is like a thing that everyone's like, you know, applauding Curtin for his shoe game. And I'm like, yeah, I guess they look good. I don't, I don't know. I'm that I'm that person, Jordan, that walks into a store. And it's like looking for shoes. I'm going, which one's the cheapest and looks good. I got my work shoes at Tar- at Walmart for there you go. 15, 20 bucks. I don't know. There you go. Very comfortable. And now that they allow tennis shoes at work, I don't have to worry about it. But yeah, I mean, why? Uh, I don't know. Especially I, I don't get like people collecting them and just putting them on the. In the boxes or whatever. Case. Yeah. yeah. I guess it's a thing to collect. And I'm a collector for stuff, but my collection stuff is usually 15 bucks. I can't can't pull the trigger on the uh even the MLS jerseys I buy are like Ross 20 bucks, you know, they're not like these uh I'm not spending the full price. I don't know, I'm a thrifting collector, I guess. Uh but yeah, so Greg Berhalter potential for Swansea. We'll see. Let's talk Bernadeschi. Uh so let me get that article up. So this is, this is from The Athletic, and I'm not going to read the whole thing because obviously it is paywalled, and I think people should probably read it over there. Give them a click, give them a view, so that way The Athletic knows that MLS content is what we want. But there's just some stuff that um, jumped out to me here. So this is from an article on The Athletic about TFC. We knew some beef was between 
possible insignia and Bob Bradley. We, we the episode was titled about that and around that. A lot more came out about this. What day was this article? Friday. Okay. Perfect Friday news dump of bad news. Okay, multiple sources within and outside the team were told that at the conclusion of last season, Insigne declared in front of teammates that he would not return to TFC if Bradley remained head coach. So, in my best Maury Povich, you know, that was a lie. Uh, Because he did. He did remain. (laughs) And he did show up. Uh, Although he did indeed return, the same sources confirmed Insigne again told teammates this week that he did not want to continue playing under Bradley moving forward. This is what Kalen Kyle was reporting that we were talking about last week. Multiple sources familiar with both players said Insigne and Bernadeschi did not get along before signing for TFC but they're united now about this and that those issues have continued in Toronto with the compatriots having at least one blow up fight last season <laughs> last month when Michael Bradley and Jonathan Osorio were both injured Insigne was named captain for the upcoming game against NYCFC when the team was informed ahead of a training session in pre- preparation for the game Bernadeschi initially refused to go on the field and multiple sources who witnessed the encounter said so even as of last month, Bernadeschi is like, oh, I see how it is. You're going to make Insigne the captain? I'm not going to walk on the field then. That is some craziness. According to multiple club sources, Bernadeschi asked for a new contract after last season, telling the front office that he wanted to make as much as Insigne, a request that was rebuffed. A jockeying of egos between the designated players has continued. Sources says Bernadeschi was upset that Insigne had a jacket collaboration with Drake's Ovo brand, and he did not. For example, and that Insigne went to MLS Media Day while he did not. So Bernadeschi's like, oh man, you got a Drake uh, brand deal, and you're going to MLS Media Day I'm upset. Insigne's reps, meanwhile, were upset that the 2023 MLSPA salary release did not include the star's marketing deal that adds a significant chunk to his earnings. According to the release, Insigne's $7.5 million guaranteed is now second in the league to Shakiri's 8.1. Asked if he was aware that Insigne and Bernadeschi did not get along before arriving in Toronto, Manning said Insigne helped recruit Bernadeschi. <laughs> My understanding, and then even when we floated to Insigne that they were going to talk to Bernadeschi, is that they had a very professional teammate relationship. They weren't buddies, but they were close enough. Here's some more damning stuff, I guess. The, the pair has not been pillars of the locker room individually either. Sources within the team said Bernadeschi has been admonished for using a vape pen in the practice facility, including the training room and on the team plane. Can't do that on planes, by the way. Despite being told multiple times it's not allowed, Insigne, meanwhile, has remained a somewhat distant figure among the squad, in part because he does not speak much English. He interacts with teammates who speak Italian and Spanish, but otherwise keeps mostly to himself. Despite their differences, Insigne and Bernadeschi now appear united in their hopes of creating a change in TFC's coaching staff. Okay. So that's one thing here. And then in a team meeting, multiple sources present, Bernadeschi quipped, of course, you're his son. 
to Michael when the veteran midfielder spoke up to encourage Bernadeschi to air his issues out in the meeting. And of course, you're his papa to Bob. At one point, when Mark Anthony K interjected, Bernadeschi referred to K as Bob's other son. TFC is wild. So I, then I saw everyone jumping on Bob, though I, I think this article has made it clearer to me that you have to get rid of the Italians more than you have to get rid of Bob. They make it clear in this article as well that the way Bob's running this team is almost identical to when he was at LAFC, uh, which shows to me that that worked there. It's not working here. I think it's more about the players. I, I also saw, um, you know, th then there was the whole thing of Bob saying that later Friday, that coach's decision, he is not, or maybe it was before this article released because everybody was jumping on it then, but um, that coach's decision, Bernadeschi was not going to be in the squad for Saturday's match. Then this came out and I said, okay, makes sense. He openly called out Michael, Bob, and Mark Anthony Gay in front of meetings. He's vape penning. He's uh, causing all sorts of issues, not wanting to listen to Insigne when he's captain. To me, this is just a huge, huge issue. And it's partly why I'm glad uh, Philly knows, doesn't go out and get a lot of these stars because it can upset the balance of a team. And, you know, I think we're kind of seeing that. I think my favorite quote to come out of it was that, like, uh, that Michael Bradley's like a spy. <laughs> like, they don't trust enough to talk around him, so they don't. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, yeah. And, and there so were some weird. players that were like, Bob, uh, you know, Michael acts the same way he did even when he, right. Bob wasn't there. So right. I think some of it is people that are weary about that, right? I mean, it is probably like a you know, how would we approach this if you're what their main point is, they're worried about whatever they say, getting back to Bob through Michael. It could get through back to anybody. And if so, it doesn't really matter, right? Like I understand that you may feel like you can't speak openly about stuff because the, the coach's son is there, but Michael's a professional. Mike, Michael had to deal with this at the U S men's national right. team as well. I mean, he, he, it's not like he's playing only because he is the son. He's still a, you know, he is a player that was valuable for both the U S men's national team and Toronto. I just don't know what you do here because you did spend all that money on them. It might, if they're not one, they're not producing. It'd be totally different if they were producing and causing this trouble, but they're not producing. The team isn't producing, but I think a lot of times the team isn't producing because they probably have bad morale from the locker room. You have two players that are not who who you're supposed to be running the game through that are not living up to the hype. So I'm not really sure what to make of this. I, I think there is a part of it that they have to maybe move on from these two. Uh, maybe they just need a fresh reboot. They'll get rid of Bob. They'll get rid of the Italians. They'll they'll move forward, or maybe they'll try to salvage this with another coach. But I don't know if that locker room issues will get better just because of a different coach either. If, you know, it seems a little bit like inmates running the asylum if, if you let them pick a coach. I'm not really sure what the answer is there. 
Yeah, but they did bring in CJ Sapong, so that, that's the answer. Um, well, you know what really, you know what really got me, and I, I did tweet about this too, is um, Saturday night. Uh, so Friday, everyone's clowning on this. They're like, "Watch DC is gonna DC is gonna beat Toronto, and they're gonna end another coach's job." Well, Toronto won uh, without Bernadeschi. They won that game two to one, and I did not hear a lot of the Bob haters that night. Tell you that much. <laughs> and again, I think one thing that really helps me too is is being on Bob's side. Is I know he's a good coach. I've seen him at other places. He just went from LAFC to Toronto. LAFC, it was working. He had to deal with ego there too, Carlos Vela, and all of these big stars that he had to handle over in LA, you mean tell me he can't do it here? I think, I think Insigne was just quoted too, saying like the MLS is tougher than he would have thought. I think these players thought they could come here. I think they thought they'd be able to just easily boss it around that they can vape, that they can pull a Higuain and not care and still do good. And it's not the case. They're getting their asses kicked. Yeah. I think that that sums it up perfectly that uh, and you're going to see it more and more as players come over until somebody comes over and really just takes control and and some of them do like some of the european players will but like uh, imagine I, this would never happen with somebody like a Lionel messi like go up to that upper echelon like if harry kane gets older and he decides to play an mls like you wouldn't get this same kind of attitude it's like these guys that are on the fringe where insigne is never talked about like in europe like you never hear that name. Like it, mm. it it's rare. It, he played well with the Italians when they did win the Euros. Like they, they played well then, but you don't hear about Insigne. You never knew who Bernadeschi really was. Like if they're playing in the Italian leagues, they're not quite the stars that they should be because they're not playing for Premier League teams. Like it's become that kind of thing where most of your stars that are still around, that are some of the bigger stars in the game are either going to the Premier League or PSG. Like, it may be Bayern, but Bayern is not really into the shopping for superstar kind of thing. They kind of shop young and then, you know, produce superstars. So I don't know. Like, I, it's so funny to me whenever, like, these, uh, like, guys on the Italian teams come over because the Italian league actually, I think, has stepped back so much that they, that MLS could actually compete with some of these teams in the Italian leagues below, like, an Inter Milan. Um, like, I, I think LAFC could compete with a big team like that. But, like, it's it's amazing to me, like you said, Jordan, that these guys think it's like a it's almost like it's summer break. Like they're coming over just to hang out and play in a cool country. Like I don't know, I have no idea what it is, but I don't. I it doesn't work. And and some of the like an Iguain, he's a big name, but he came over, didn't do anything in this league. So the only one that's ever come over and really just kind of torn up the league that I felt recently was Zlatan. Like and that's. He came over and he was like, no, this league is good, but I'm going to show him just how good he I plays. Right. I mean, he, he just Zlatan is Zlatan. He'll go out there and play. He tries, he does whatever he'll win. He'll score goals. He doesn't, it's just the competitive driving him. I think there are some players that come over here and just say like, mm, I'm going to get the bag. I'm going to get vacation the money. And money. Yeah. Um, yeah. Toronto's not much of a vacation. <laughs> i know it's always funny to me that they don't pick like miami do they not know geography over here like i think no they don't so random but, it's like so yeah. random that they picked toronto yeah well that was i guess they they were courting 
recording them and stuff. Yeah. And, um, you know, sometimes it's all about the just about the money. Um, but yeah, I mean, it is a. Uh, Bernadeschi's main complaints come down to that they're not practicing like passing and stuff in their practices or like situational passing and stuff. I guess he's more used to that. Bob is doing a lot more of the physical uh, training because MLS is a physical league where you're going to need that more than tactical situational passes. I mean, while I think eventually we will have to get to that point where we're having more of those type of trainings, I don't know if the league's there yet. Uh, I mean, with how much they're running and the constant back and forth that MLS provides, it probably is worth it more to train on actual stamina and, and, getting your legs than it is situational passes and, and stuff like that. But he kind of lets his players um, play a little bit, Bob, you know, and make the decision on the day instead of, Oh, like when you see this thing, always be doing this pass or those type of things that somebody like Pep would do more of. Um, Chris Mueller is, expected to miss the rest of the 2023 season. He had to get a procedure on his right hip, right hip. So uh, that was announced Friday. So Chris Mueller out at Chicago for some injuries uh, for, for the rest of the season. So that sucks for him, but yeah. All right, let's go ahead and get ready to look at the rest of, Oh, USA under 20s, by the way, they won like four, nothing today in their world cup against New Zealand. I think it was so pretty good there. Uh, looking at the table right now, I mentioned at the beginning of the show, Cincinnati is still number one in supporter shield and in the East, they have 33 points. They've only played 14 matches. They're, they're doing pretty well. They're still eight. zero at home away. They have two wins, one loss, three draws. So, Really great job from Cincinnati. I think they said Brenner's played his last game for them now, so uh, they'll have to look at replacing him, I guess. But other otherwise, they're they're looking pretty sharp. They're averaging two point three six points per game, which is the most in MLS, obviously, because they're also the supporter shield leaders, and they're leading that supporter shield race by five points. Because in second place in the East and second place in the supporter shield right now, it is actually Nashville. Nashville has clawed their way up. They were kind of a little hit miss at the beginning of the season. They're in second in the East. Now new England is in third. They have 25 points right behind them. Philadelphia union, just one point behind with 24 points. It's mind-boggling to me because for the for so long we were talking about how bad the Union were and how good Revs and Cincy were, and Revs have just gone on like a what three-game losing streak or something like that. That are they're now now they just had a draw, but I mean, look, they, they haven't been sharp lately. They've fallen from first down to third. Philly has caught up now. Philly is one point behind. They have the same amount of games played, uh, and that was for a team that was really struggling at the beginning of the season. So Union are on a hot streak as they climb up the table. Atlanta in fifth with 23 points. Charlotte in sixth with 21 points. Orlando in seventh with 20. DC in eighth with 19. And Montreal has jumped to ninth place with 18 points. They're in a playoff spot. Columbus in 10th with 18 points. NYCFC in 11th with 16. Chicago in 12th with 16. 
NY, uh, NY, uh, New York Red Bulls, 16 points. They're in 13th place. Toronto, as bad as they've been, they're in 14th place with 16 points as Miami is now the bottom team in the East. What is going on? What is going on there? Uh, but yeah, they're 15th place with 15 points. Western Conference, Seattle in first with 26 points. St. Louis in second with 25. They're holding their ground. Uh, LAFC in third with 25 points. Dallas in fourth with 23 points. San Jose in fifth with 19. Minnesota in sixth with 19. Houston in seventh with 18. Vancouver in eighth with 17. Portland in ninth with 16. And Austin tied for a playoff spot with 16 points, but they fall just shy of it. They're in 10th. RSL in 11th with 16 points. SKC up to 12th with 13 points. Colorado in 13th with 12 points. And LA Galaxy in 14th with 9 points. Six-point difference from bottom of the West and bottom of the East. Some big things that uh, some of the big results from the weekend: St. Louis beating Vancouver three-one, Charlotte beating LA Galaxy one-nil, uh, Philly beating NYCFC three-to-one, New England drawing with Chicago three-three. Chicago had a late lead again; they also blew that, like they've been doing all season long. So moving on from Hendrickson hasn't really changed anything. Houston beating Austin two-to-one. Some. Uh, some good results there. And SKC beating Portland 4-1 to as they're now scoring for fun. Sporting out of nowhere. And uh, Nashville beating Columbus 3-1. Some fun, some fun games there. In the U.S. Open Cup, uh, that took place Tuesday and Wednesday. LA Galaxy beat LAFC. That was a big deal, I guess. Uh, Riverhounds beat Columbus Crew 1-0, and Birmingham Legion beat Charlotte 1-0. So we are getting some more Open Cup uh, victories from the USL teams, which is fun. And I have to do another closed pyramid. I've just been so busy, I haven't been able to <laughs> actually do one. So if you're looking for that, keep looking for it. It's going to be coming in the next week or two. And then we have some games taking place Wednesday, May 31st, including leg one of Club Leon versus LAFC on FS1. But let's go to our match of the week preview. Match of the week previews where we tell you what games are coming up this week and tell you which ones you should watch. Atlanta hosts New England, 7 o'clock, Wednesday, May 31st. That is on Apple TV, and it's also free on there, and it's on FS1. Columbus Crew hosting the Rapids. DC hosting Montreal, that is free. Miami hosting Red Bulls. NYCFC hosting Cincinnati. Philly hosting Charlotte, that is free as well. Toronto hosting Chicago. Then at 8.30, Austin hosting Minnesota, that is free. Kansas City hosting Dallas. Then at 9.30, RSL hosting LA Galaxy. This one's free. They said, you want to see the cluster mess of LA Galaxy? Here it is for free. 
playing 30 minutes later in leg one of the CONCACAF Champions League Finals, Club Lyon hosting LAFC. Leg two is on June 4th. That's on FS1 and TUDN. 10.30, Seattle hosting San Jose. Vancouver hosting Houston. That is free. Uh, so midweek game, Logan, other than the Champions League, what game is speaking to you here? Uh, I love the Atlanta-New uh, England matchup. You've got a three versus the five. I think Atlanta, um, again, not playing as well as they were to start the season because they were a team that was kind of popping up there in the top of the Eastern Conference. And then I, I think the same story goes for New England. So I think these are two teams that sit three and five in the Eastern Conference and have some room to really get back on track and then you know push for the top three spots, maybe even two spots in the Eastern Conference. And I think heading into Atlanta, I think Atlanta is going to have the upper hand just because I think New England really has struggled recently, losing two of three and drawing that third one. So I don't know. It, it seems like the balance is kind of coming back to like we're starting to talk a little bit about if New England continues to spiral, you know, maybe a, a false start, a quick start was good for them, but they're kind of coming back down to earth. I don't think that they'll drop obviously that far in the Eastern Conference just because I think that there are a lot of teams that are really struggling in the Eastern Conference. But again, I'm looking forward to this just because I think Atlanta, this this is a good game for Atlanta. They can make up some ground and kind of get in that top four of the Eastern Conference if they really play well. So I'm going to go with Austin, Minnesota. Uh, Austin needs to start showing me something. They have four wins on the season, six losses, four draws. They're conceding goals, 20. You know, they're not only scoring 14. They got to start doing something. And here's a perfect chance. Uh, they're hosting. It's against Minnesota. If they win this game, they will have the same points as Minnesota. So they can kind of jump up, maybe get into a playoff spot with how bad they've been. That would be such an improvement for Austin. But uh, Minnesota started off hot this year. They've kind of dwindled a bit. But I can see Minnesota pulling this one out as as well I, I just don't know what team i have more faith in probably minnesota than austin at this point with the way austin's been but i think that's an interesting game it's also free so if you're not subscribed you can catch that okay uh on saturday june 3rd we have at 3 30 nycfc in new england that's free on apple tv that's weird it's not anywhere else that's just 3 30 Okay, because usually those are cable games. Uh, but Seattle and Portland is at 4.30 on Apple TV and on Fox. That is free. At 7.30, those games start as well. This is Cincy and Chicago, Columbus and Charlotte, Miami, D.C., Red Bulls, Orlando, Union, Montreal. Those are all 7.30. Those are all free. This must be a free week that they're doing here. Then at 8.30, Austin versus RSL, Dallas and Nashville, Minnesota and Toronto, St. Louis hosting Houston. Those are all 8.30. Those are all free. Colorado hosting San Jose at 9.30. That's free. And Vancouver hosting SKC at 10.30. That's free. And then Sunday, June 4th, is leg two, LAFC at 9 o'clock versus Club Lyon. That's on FS. One. So by next recording, we will know who 
is CCL champion. And if we have our second MLS winner for it, Logan, I'm going to ask you, do we have our second winner of the CONCACAF Champions League? That is MLS club. I would say with the way that LAFC um, have been playing, I'm going to go with yes. Uh, I think that this is the competition that they're really focused on. And when this team is firing on all cylinders, this team is very dangerous. And I think playing Leon, Leon's kind of scuffled a little bit. So it, I think they're the weakest of the Mexican teams that would kind of look through that tournament. When you look at uh, like a Tigres, I, this would be the one that I would choose. <laughs> I don't know why, but I, I just feel pretty confident with Leon. Um, I think LAFC also hosting. I always love when the U.S. team hosts uh, the second leg because I feel like if you just go in thinking, I just need a point, it's so much easier to go into somebody else's stadium where they could be coming back going, oh, shoot, we need to win and score a goal. It all depends, too. Like, let's say they go to Lyon and they win 3-1. They just know I don't give up two at home. That makes you feel a lot better. I guess it all depends on how that first scoreline goes, but I agree. I like having the second game in an MLS stadium, and I will agree, yes, I think we will have our second winner of the CCL back-to-back seasons, right? That would be really cool. That would kind of show, hey, Mexico, we're taking this seriously. Uh, I'd be very interested to see how that maybe – what happens if we win a leagues cup too, <laughs> you know, like does that, the does the perspective yeah. start changing a bit yeah. or are they like, they're just on a run right now. Like I would wonder how that shakes out, but curious about that. Okay. Uh, any game out of the ones I read for Saturday that sticks out to you as a, as a must watch. I'm going to definitely say Nashville uh, in Dallas. It is at Dallas, uh, Nashville on the road. Um, but man, have they been playing well? Four wins in the last five. You got Dallas, who um, two wins in the last four. They've drawn the last two. They could really use three points, but a stifling defense coming from Nashville, coming down, playing in a away stadium, you might be able to leak a goal or two out of them. Um, and if Dallas can, or if anybody can do it, I think, uh, you know, at home, Dallas could. Um, they've not been scoring extremely well. So maybe this is a perfect recipe for success in Nashville going on the road as Dallas has only scored 17, but their defense is stout too. So I think it's a defensive battle, uh, maybe a one nil win or like a, a nil nil draw is where I'm heading uh, with this one. But I think it's going to be tightly contested. These are two of the best teams in our league. So really looking forward to, to that matchup. I'm going to go with... I mean, I got to go Seattle-Portland, right? <laughs> I think Seattle-Portland's a good shout. But if I'm not going to go with that, I'm going to go St. Louis-Houston. These are two teams that I think are over... Um, I don't want to say like overproducing, but I want to say that maybe we're underestimated going into the season, St. Louis and Houston. They're both in a playoff spot. They're playing pretty well. Um, there's seven points between them. St. Louis is not really back down. Once they started hitting a bad stretch, they've kind of rebounded. So I like that. I like Houston under Ben Olsen right now. They've been playing pretty well. They just beat a big rival in Austin. So yeah, I'm curious to see how that's going to shake out on the weekend. All right. Anything else before we get out of here? I think we covered it all. Yeah, I think we got it all. Make sure to head over and listen to our Ted Lasso episode recaps. Because, yeah, we're about uh, to record. We're, uh, we're about to record the penultimate yeah. one over there. But yes, right now uh, you can listen to all of season three recaps. Um, 
but we will be yeah getting ready to settle down for the ted lasso season three finale possible series finale i'm leaning towards yes it is the series finale if you want to give us any follows it's at stateside show on twitter instagram facebook youtube email us stateside show at gmail.com thank you all for watching or listening and we will catch you next week with the hopeful mls ccl champion